0: Hello and welcome to the Recon Ride. I'm Dane Cash. And I'm Cosmo Catalano. And we are here for the final Giro d'Italia show on the second and final rest day after some pretty interesting racing so far at the, at the Giro. The second week really livened things up after a pretty slow start. The second half of the second week. That's like, true. The, like, we we were joking for the show
1: that I'm old enough to remember when people were were shitting on this year for it being too <laughs> uninteresting. So
0: and it really, I mean, uh, fairly so. Sprinter stages and breakaway stages and GC contenders leaving the race, but not a whole lot of actual GC riders throwing haymakers at each other. And then finally, we got some, we got some action after stage, I guess, stage thirteen, fourteen. Fifteen, all all good.
1: Uh, I I really think it started on twelve. Um, if you if you follow how the race was won on Instagram, you'll see a, a quick uh, or Facebook, I think. Anyway, there's yeah, there's like a movie star. You can kind of see really starting to to try and get something back on Rolich, get something going, and doing it pretty effectively. And then you, I think nevely may. I wouldn't say they're working together, but I think Niebeli may be kind of using Movistar's desire to get back into the race to kind of put pressure on Rolich. I think if we watch on stage uh, 14, he really seems like he's got, he's got teammates in, in groups twice during the stage when, when uh, Carapaz is up the road and they're not, they're not maintaining the gap. Like they're basically letting him ride away. And they're like, I bet no one else in this group wants to do work. So we're going to ride slow. And if he takes the Jersey, you know, that then Rolich is going to have to do, try and do something to get that back. And, uh, you know, if if we all come together in the finish, I'll I'll win this sprint for third and still get four seconds after basically doing nothing all day. So,
0: yeah. Uh, while we're on the subject of stage twelve, uh, maybe before we talk too much about the GC, I, I kind of wanted to mention how I've really enjoyed seeing some of the the breakaway guys that uh, that have been kicking around the, the pro peloton for quite a long time, uh, taking wins. Cesare Benedetti on uh, stage twelve, and then uh, stage fifteen, Dario Cataldo has been trying to win a Giro d'Italia stage for years and years and years. Uh, finally pulled it off age 34. It's been pretty cool to see those guys kind of get those, those long awaited breakaway wins. And also on days where, yeah, sort of going on behind the breakaway, you had some interesting action, uh, in, in the GC group. So you were able to watch two or three interesting storylines developing all at once out on the road. And it's been really nice, especially a nice change because the first, yeah, 11 stages were kind of slow, but now we've had, uh, a bit of a shakeup. I mean, you know, since we last talked, it's, it's not as if the GC has been completely turned on its head. But, uh, Richard Carapaz is your race leader from the Movistar team. Uh, that, a bit of a surprise there. Carapaz had a really nice Giro last year, but I don't think anybody was kind of talking about him as a, as a five star favorite. We mentioned that Movistar was going to have a strong team, but Mikael Landa was sort of supposed to be or seen as, the team's guy. We did, I think, mention that Movistar said at the start of this race that this was going to be another, another Movistar special, another three-headed monster with <laughs> Karpas, uh, Mika, Landa, and Andre Amador. And it has turned out to be, well, at least a two-headed monster between Karpas and uh, Landa. And Karpas has looked very strong. He, he currently leads over Primoz Roglic. After stage 15, he has a 47-second advantage to Roglic. Speaking of Roglic, you know, he's looked... Okay, the last few days. He just hasn't really looked great. He's looked a little lonely. He's very, uh, I think he looked very lonely. Uh, and it's not great to be lonely when you have a very aggressive Vincenzo Niboli who's lurking, as sharks do, uh, less than two minutes down on, on GC. Miguel Landa, Richard Carpas's teammate, is in there as well, uh, just over three minutes down. And then, yeah, guys like Simon Yates, Miguel Enja Lopez, a little further back, but at least in contention enough that. Yeah, Roglic is under a little bit of pressure, and his team has has maybe not been there when they need to be. Uh, and you have to say hats off to, or you may even say chapeau, because that's what they say in this sport, uh, to Movistar, to Nibali for really taking it to Roglic and, and uh, making this an interesting race, uh, both on the road and off of it. I mean, Nibali taking taking full advantage of an opportunity to talk to the media after stage, uh, 13, uh, sort of complaining about Roglic's, uh, attitude. Uh, I guess you could (laughs) say, uh, Roglic doing a lot of, a lot of wheel sitting and, uh, Vincenzo Nibali, none too pleased about it, really aired his frustrations out in the media, which, which of course just makes for a fun, more interesting race.
1: And you know, it's interesting. It's tough to tell with Nibali how much of that is mind games and how much of that is genuine frustration because I, I think he's a guy who's very willing to be like I didn't like the way this guy raced after a stage. But at the same time, you know, if he's if his if his plan, I don't know if I don't know if you saw it, but at, at, at a certain point, uh I think it was stage 14, he and and Londa did like a fist bump at the front of the field yes. uh after I think after Carapaz had gone clear. And it really, it really feels to me like there is a lot of m- political machination kind of going on between those two squads. Uh, the first, at first blush, it really seemed to me like Movistar had kind of leveraged this spat between Nibali and Rolich to kind of sneak into the race lead. And after watching, uh, 14 and 15, I'm also kind of thinking, you know, maybe, maybe this is Nibali's plan is kind of let Movistar do this work, kind of beating up Rolich, softening him up. And, you know, next week is when he starts to make his play. It, it's because he had numbers on, on 14 and 15 and really at 15, he got a little bit of time back, but, but, but 14, he really held off and kind of let everyone else do the racing.
0: And while all of this is kind of going on around Roglic, his, his own situation has not been the best. Uh, this was particularly apparent on stage 15 where, Heading into the finale which which took on a number of climbs that you see in uh, in lombardia the the fall one day race uh he suffered a mechanical at a rough time. he just made it back on on a pretty pretty ill fitting teammate's bike uh and just hugged as the,
1: hugged a guardrail,
0: yep, he crashed on a descent uh and got you know he was he got up got back on pretty quickly, but clearly a little bit worse for the wear um, photo of his bike after the stage with a little bit of, a little bit of blood on the, on the, uh, on the, on the, on the either the handlebars, or the top tube, I can't quite remember, but I, I thought
1: he did a really good job of crashing. Like he didn't crash stupid. He didn't spaz out. He kind of ran into the guardrail and was like, I'm going to hold on to this so that I'm not down in the ditch. And, uh, I'm going to keep going.
0: He's got experience crashing and, and doing, this I, is, this is ski jump skills. Right? I would highly recommend, uh, if you haven't seen it, it's not, Fun to watch, really, but it is sort of interesting to see the crash that, you know, ended Roglic's uh, ski jumping career. It was a pretty serious fall he took when he was, uh, 17 or 18. And while it didn't, it didn't physically end his career. I mean, he, he got back to ski jumping after it. it it's kind of derailed his progression and he went on to change sports. Uh, but it is one of those crashes that when you first see it, you think, well, how did he survive that? Uh, so <laughs> Roglic has. Is he ever going to stop crashing? Yeah, so he has some experience with with crashing better than you think. Uh, but he did lose time. He lost about forty seconds uh, on the on the fifteenth uh, stage that Dario Cataldo won, and and Vincenzo Nibali was really hitting it at the front to help grow that gap. Uh, Richard Carapaz, though, I think. The other story of the day for me is that Carapaz has just really hung in there, as if he were a bona fide GC guy, not just some guy that got in the right breakaway. Uh And I, I really wonder whether that Movistar one-two is going to be strong enough to hold off Roglic and possibly hold off uh, Vincenzo Nibali. But for Roglic, it's he needs more teammates. He needs he needs guys with him to prevent situations like the one that we saw on stage 15, and we really haven't even gotten to the meat of the high mountain stages yet. And the fact that he's looked to be a little bit lonely so far, I don't think that's great news for him.
1: No, I mean, uh, we need the we need 2018 Sepkus to, to show up yeah. and do some riding for him. Uh, they had an interview with 2019 Sepkus after the stage, and he did not seem particularly like, oh man, I need to ride better. Yeah. <laughs> so... I don't I don't know what the situation is on the team, what his role was coming in, but uh, he, there will be some relief I think, uh despite the ski jumping background that the, the Gavia is out of is out of the race.
0: Yeah, uh, uh so I'll get to that in a second, but I think I think Jumbo Visma smartly extended Sepkus, uh Ken Bowman, and Antoine Tolhook. Uh, at the start of this race. So all three of those domestiques for Primož Roglič will be riding with a little bit more uh, confidence, a little bit less uncertainty because they have their their futures secured here uh, right around the time of the Giro d'Italia. Uh, hopefully they'll you know that'll that'll kick in at some point here in the, in the third week and they'll be able to stick with their team leader into the finales which are going to be a serious challenge. As you point out, the Gavia no longer on the race route for stage 16 into Ponte de Legno, but it's still going to be a really tough day. They're still going to climb the Motorola. They're still going to have some serious uh, total uphill meters. Uh, stage 17, not the hardest stage, but it does have an uphill finish. And then stage 18, they're, they're going to have basically the last sprinters day of the race before 3.00 very GC type days. There's a, a mountain stage of stage 19, really hard stage 20, and then a uh, time trial in stage 21. So there's plenty of GC action to come. It was definitely as, as usual backloaded in this race. And, uh, yeah, Roglic is going to be under some pressure. I would think, uh, that said, I, I would like to see how he's doing from a physical perspective without any of this crashing and on the wrong bike nonsense. Cause it's hard to say, uh, yeah, you know, how he's actually feeling with all those external factors. Uh, I, I I don't know that I can, I don't know that you can write him off uh, just because he didn't look so great in stage uh, fifteen, for instance, because he did have those kind of weird things going on.
1: No, I mean he's been pretty outstanding. Like you said, very cool uh, most of the race. Uh, the thing is, I don't know how much he can bank on this final time trial. Uh, it's seventeen k, which is not a whole lot of k, even with a, with a moderate climb in the middle of it. I, I would not. I wouldn't put you know more than 20 seconds in my I-can-make-this-up-in-the-last-days-TT bucket. Uh, so he needs to be careful.
0: Yeah, and I, I think with, with the current situation he's in, he has ground to make up on Carapaz. And that's going to require some aggressive racing, which he can do. We've seen him do that numerous times over the last two seasons. But so far, this Giro d'Italia, that has not really been what we have seen from Roglic. And uh, he's going to need to really pick it up. To claw back that time, because yeah, as you point out, there's just not that, that much space to take a lot of time back from Carapaz. Carapaz, not really a known time trial guy, but, uh, he looked really good in the stage nine time trial, finished 11th, and he was good in the opening time trial, finished 14th. So clearly comfortable against the clock, maybe more comfortable than I think a lot of people would have expected. Uh, and, yeah, no slouch. So I, I like I like Karabaz's chances to stay in this fight. And it really helps that he has Mika Landa there because both of those guys can go on the attack, and that puts serious pressure on. That,
1: for me, that's been the, the most notable thing about the way Movistar has written. Is It's absolutely been, you're going to try, and if you go, I'm going to hang back. And then if you get caught, I'm going to try, and you're going to wait for me if I get off the front. And it's been, you, know, you haven't seen them work against each other at all. They've been really great with their resources up the road. You know, there was one point on stage, uh, I think it was 13 where Londa had three riders in front of him, two or two, had a group, basically it was in a three rider team time trial, uh, soloing his way up to the, to the breakaway, almost to the very front of the race. And it's just like, I can't remember the last time Movistar had their business together that it wasn't like they sent one guy back for Carapaz and one guy back for Landa. It was like, this is, this is Londa's day. Everybody's working with Londa. Carapaz will sit up and if he can do something, he will, which he did, um, But it's yeah, it's just a a level of coordination, and uh, I don't want to say it's because a certain world champion isn't here, but uh, they really do seem to have they be all be on the same playbook.
0: Yeah, I saw a funny, a funny tweet sort of pointing out that this is appears to be a multi pronged approach that is working for Movistar uh, with. Landa and Carapaz, not the multi-pronged approach guys you typically associate with this team that has sent Valverde and Nairo Quintana so often as dual leaders to races. Uh, Maybe they found a formula that works. I guess we'll find out over the next and final uh, six stages here at the Giro. So let's go through one by one, take a slightly closer look, and maybe do a couple quick predictions for the final stages of the 2019 Giro, starting with... Stage sixteen, unfortunately, no Paso Gavia. Uh, too much snow. It's the twenty ten, so you know we actually care about rider safety. Uh, uh, so uh, un- unlike in the nineteen eighties, where uh, <laughs> if it snows, you're, you're racing anyway, uh, they're actually, I think, fortunately, going to skip the Gavia. Uh, not fortunate that that we're going to miss it, but it is fortunate that nobody's lives are going to be endangered on the avalanche uh, or, or icy. Threatened. Yeah, it, was the, it was
1: the descent. I hear that was yeah. the big deal. Yeah. Um, but it's it's interesting because it also makes the stage 30k shorter. This was a this was a stage, and it's still really hard. But it was really really sensationally tough. And I, I'm kind of wondering how it will affect the later stages of this race, uh, having it be merely brutal instead of you know straight up masochistic.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think from a from a stage perspective. It's it's hard for me to to determine whether I think it's going to be a breakaway kind of day or a GC kind of day because you'd think they're going to race into the Motorola really hard, but it is going to be kind of hard to control this race because there's so much up and down. Um, I like this one, I think, for Vincenzo Nibali. There is going to be some descending even without the Gavia, and he just looks very strong so far, so I'm, I'm going with Vincenzo for the win here on Stage 16.
1: That's a good pick. Um, I think it's still a little early for him to really launch into a la matanza, to uh, to borrow an Italian phrase. I I uh, I think I like Londa on this stage. I think the Movistar keeps their keeps their one two punch rocking, and Nibali is going to be more focused on Carapaz, and Londa will have more
0: room to play. Stage seventeen runs hundred eighty one k with some late climbing activity. Uh, it, it's not the hardest stage of the race, but it is an uphill finish. It's going to affect the GC a little bit, I would think. Um As far as the stage battle goes, I like I like someone punchy. I think the brakes got a decent shot at this, but uh, I'm going to give it to Simon Yates here. This is his kind of stage, if he can kind of get it together. And I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a little bit of breathing room, because at this point, heading into uh, the final week here, Simon Yates sitting over five minutes down on GC, not, I don't think he's going to be really threatening Roglic or Nibbly enough that they're going to go into chase mode right away. And so maybe he'll get a, a little bit of a leash.
1: I like that. I like that a lot. I'm also going to Simon Yates. He, uh, he showed a lot of kind of passion and aggression today. I think I think he may take it a little easier tomorrow. And uh, you have fresher legs on this stage where the GC favorites will be more inclined to let him go. Uh, I think the trick will be not letting him work his way back into the race.
0: Stage 18 is the final day. Well, I was about to say it's the final day for the sprinters, but are there any sprinters left in this race? Uh most of the sprinters have bailed on the 2019 Giro because it was so backloaded with climbing stages, so there really wasn't a whole lot of incentive for the Caleb Ewans to stick you around. You do the Tour de France, man. Yeah, it's a, a I've heard that. of that race. It's a it's a thing. Uh but there are a few guys still left in the 2019 Giro d'Italia. Uh, in the sprinting field the question is whether there are enough of them to kind of bring in the day's breakaway because uh, you need a couple of teams at least to kind of combine and really pull somebody back um De damar looks good enough even against the entire field before all the sprinters in this race abandoned uh he is one of the few that is still here assuming this does come down to a bunch kick i like his chances to take this final sprint day on stage 18. hmm
1: yeah, I mean that's the that's the sprinter pick. I think I'm going to go with the break keeping clear. I'm going to go
0: with uh, Enrico Battaglin of Katusha. Stage 19, another day for the climbers. It closes out with a category 2 climb. Officially that that climb is uh 13.6k at 5.6%, but there's quite a lengthy uphill run-in. So they're going to be
1: uh, 30, 30 30k, the last 30k. Right, they're just climbing uphill.
0: for the final 30k. So it's not especially steep, but that's a lot of time to be going uphill being unable to coast. Uh, So I I think it's going to be another day that's going to at least have some impact on the GC. Um, Yeah. I kind of like Roglic for this one. It's a, it's a kind of, it's a kind of climb that I think he'll do fine on. And he is not slow in a sprint if there's a small group. So yeah, let's go with Roglic. It's
1: shaped, it's shaped a little bit like a ski jump. So I see Mm. what you're, but I'm, I'm going to go with Rafael Micah, I think.
0: Stage 20. It's the last climber's day in this race, and it is a hard one. There are five categorized climbs, all of them second or first category climbs. Uh, Officially, the new Chimacopi is in this stage, the Paso Mangan, which although it is not the highest point in the race, uh, they had to get rid of the original chima copy. The okay, uh,
1: they couldn't give it retroactively. Then they, that's what
0: they decided. They weren't going to retroactively uh, give the chima copy prize, which I understand.
1: Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess It'd be, it would be a secret chima copy in that case. Yeah, and that
0: would be. Well, okay. Uh, on, okay. The, on the other hand, that would be a very Jiro thing to do. This is actually kind of logical, which is a bit of a surprise. Anyway, uh, the, the stage does have these five categorized climbs. It's pretty much up or down for the entirety of the 194 kilometers. And uh, yeah, it's a real climber's day. Miguel Ángel Lopez has not really had the Jira that I think he wanted to have. Uh, the time trial was not kind to him, and he has not really looked as sharp as maybe expected, but. He's also now far enough down on the general classification, uh, heading into this final week, uh, over five minutes and nearly six minutes down, that kind of like I was saying about Yates, he'll, he should get some breathing room here, uh, on this, on this stage. And he's going to need it heading into the final time trial. I do like him for stage 20.
1: I am going to go with Joe Dombrowski. Broski. Dombrowski. Joe from EF. He's been riding really good. Um, I think he is sort of taking on a GC role now. I think he may lose some time earlier in that third week. But if he gets in the break, I see him winning it out of that move. It would be awesome. Everybody would be stoked. I
0: also see Vincenzo Nibli maybe winning the Giro on this stage. Oh, wow. Bold prediction. Well, what about stage 21, which is a 17-kilometer time trial with a fourth-category climb right in the middle of it? Uh, It's not a hill-climb TT. It's not a mountainous TT. But this climb does make it... A little bit more balanced. It's going to mean that the the guys like Nibali are not going to be at such a disadvantage to the big power guys like Roglic, or like the guy that unfortunately crashed earlier in this Giro, uh, Tom Dumoulin. This is a time trial that's going to be a little bit more in the middle of the spectrum. Uh, for the stage, though, I still like Primož Roglic. I think he's. I think he's well enough suited to this time trial that he could win it. The question is whether he'll end up winning the overall race.
1: I am going to go with uh, Victim Campnards to to paraphrase (laughs) the uh, auto subtitles from the hour record attempt. Yes. Uh, Victor Campnards has been up really close. The first TT was terrible for him, but he still did okay. He should have won the second. He will win the third, and he'll be
0: totally stoked. All right. um, What about the overall? Who you like to win this race?
1: Oh, man. I really... I've been picking with Rolich and staying with Rolich, and he's—it's not like anything has, it's not like he's looked bad, but like Nibali, just—I don't know. I'm I'm watching him, and I feel like I can see the gears turning in his head. So I'm gonna go with Vincenzo Nibali to win this race. I'm gonna put Rolich in second and Carapaz in third.
0: I like it. It's bold. Uh, I'm gonna go with Rogovic to to win the race, with Carapaz in second and Nibali in third. Uh, I think we're in for a pretty exciting final week, and a much more exciting final week than I expected, and I think a lot of people expected as of week two. So, uh what
1: a, what a difference four stages made! Yeah,
0: chapeau to uh, Vincenzo and Primoz and Richard for their uh, interesting last couple of days of racing, and also to all the breakaway guys who have made it uh, fun throughout the stage to watch all that's been going on. So uh, that's what we see happening for the last week at the Giro d'Italia. Hope you get a chance to tune in. Should be some good racing as the Giro makes its way into Verona for the final stage. Hopefully the final stages will live up to the hype and will continue the excitement of the last few days. This has been the Recon Ride. I'm Dane Cash.
1: And I'm Cosmo Catalano.
0: And that's our show.